Welcome to the Love What You Create podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Mendoza-Jones, and I'm here to help you create the business you know you're here to create without stressing yourself out, going into mind drama, or burning yourself to a crisp. Instead, I'll teach you how to trust in your innate value, own your gifts, share them with the world, and magnetize clients, money, and opportunities towards you from your natural state. What does that mean? It means knowing that you belong in this room exactly as you are. It means the world needs all of you to show up, no perfection needed. And it means you're in exactly the right place, here with me. I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, hello. I'm so excited for this episode today. I mean, I'm excited for all my episodes. And this one feels a little bit different. It also feels a little bit belated, but then also like it's on time, in perfect time. And I say belated because today I'm sharing 11 lessons from 11 years in my business. And my business turned 11 like six weeks ago. So that's why it feels a bit belated, but whatevs, no one, no one minds. So also that could be a lesson, but it's not doing things when like not worrying about the timing, not, not, not putting unnecessary deadlines on your work because no one knows that it's going to happen until it happens. Like you didn't know this was going to happen until it happened. That's just a side note. All right, here we go. Lesson number one is about not feeling the need to rush and like taking your time. I guess that does flow into what I just said. And the lesson is all around the first ebook that I created. It was called Cleansed. Some of you might remember it. It was beautiful. And it was all about, well, cleansing, like a, a holistic way of cleansing the body and also looking at cleansing uh, mind. I, I spoke about cleansing mind, body, spirit. So not that our spirit needs cleansing because we are perfect and whole and complete as we are. But it was about... I guess it was my first kind of step into the energetic work that I do and the mind body work that I do. At the time I was working solely as a nutritionist and naturopath, but I you can tell like if you go back and you read it, you can see how how much I love the energetics of the work I do now. So, what happened was I was in a, a real stage of absorbing and learning and taking on concepts and theories and ideas from other nutritionists and naturopaths, which is an important part of of our process of finding our own voice. Uh, You know, a lot of the time we can sound, there's there's a quote, Neil Gaiman, I forget the exact quote. I quoted in my Love What You Create, in my Hello, sorry, my Hello, It's Me book writing workshop. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he says something like, uh, for us to find our own voice, a lot of the time we sound like other people first. That's definitely not the way he wrote it. He wrote it much more um, succinctly and like polished, but that's the point of it. And so I was going through a time where I was really, um, I guess, mimicking, but but tr- like trying to find my own voice in this in this industry. And I remember a time where I put... Uh, I had like a stack of like 10 nutrition books on my desk and I was feeling so overwhelmed by everyone else's voice and so overwhelmed by the fact that like I wanted to get my ebook out there and I wanted this done and out and like helping people already that I A, was overcome by comparison and B, overcome by this rushed, rushing energy. And what ended up happening was I was very, oh, there's me so barking. I was very, um, I had to pause everything for like quite a few weeks because I just could not find my own voice 
while I was trying to rush to get this out and stuck in comparison. So I put everyone else's books away. Okay, that was the first thing I did. I took some time to find my own voice and then I still rushed though. So what ended up happening was I rushed the draft out to my designer and I got her to design it into this beautiful ebook, but I hadn't yet, like in all honesty, it was probably somewhere between the really messy first draft and a pretty messy second draft. Like it was not at a stage where it was ready to be um, published on one hand. On the other hand, how great that I just did it. <laughs> like that I didn't worry about perfectionism, that I just got it done, that I didn't edit too much as I went. So there's that. And that's really important to know. The reason I say it wasn't at the stage where it was ready to be published was because when I got the first design back, apart from looking at the design, I found myself finding a ton of typos, finding like stuff that just was not completed, that didn't feel done, that didn't feel ready. And that wasn't even from a perfectionistic point of view. Like I am the first one to say when I'm being a perfectionist, it wasn't even from that. It was actually just like, oh wait, that sentence isn't finished. Like I literally just moved on to the next paragraph and that sentence wasn't done. And so I found myself sending very minimal design tweaks, but sending like copy editing to my graphic designer to get her to fix stuff that was not really her job to fix. You know, oh, on this page, that paragraph, can you change this word to that? And can you put this sentence here? And can you put, can you swap that for this? Like all of that stuff is just not what needs to be done at the stage of where I was at in the designing stage. And it all got done. It was all beautiful. And it was such a successful ebook in like, metrics numbers like in how many it sold over the years and in how much it helped people and in how proud I was of it like every facet facet of how I like of how I um, what's the word define success for myself my business was kind of was hit and and it was such a big lesson on learning how to find my own voice by actually shutting out or closing out others when I needed to and I still do that. Like to this day, when I have written my books, I do not read, you know, nonfiction or anything like that um, while I'm writing. And even to the point where like, if I know that I want to add a quote in about something like a quote about writing or a quote about business, I would just put quote about business, write that paragraph or like that chapter rather, and then come back later way later and then look up quotes about business or quotes about perfectionism or quotes about writing whatever it is so that I'm not looking through other people's words and work while I am crafting and creating my own and it's such an important strategy that has helped me so much to find my own voice and to use other people's voices to support what I'm saying as opposed to say what I'm saying all right that's lesson number one and also definitely let's combine what I said at the very beginning with that lesson. It's in this process of not rushing, no one knew, or maybe I did tell people when it was coming out. Maybe that's the lesson there. Sometimes it's really nice to give people a date that something's going to happen. And sometimes it's really nice not to, and to be like, this is coming soon or not even tell people. And then you're like, look what I've done. So when we don't put a deadline on ourselves and when we know that we've got so much time and all the time we have is all the time we need, and we're doing this on divine timing, in divine timing, on divine timing, whatever. We don't have to, we can release that feeling of rushing. And to me, the rushing was trying to prove myself and feeling like very stuck in this, um, on this linear 
model of success where I thought I felt like I was getting left behind. And then like if someone else released, this was like back in the day when eBooks were massive. Not that they're not big and important now, but like everyone, it felt like everyone was launching an ebook and I was like oh my god everyone's launching ebooks before me I'm feeling left behind and that was also that rushing so there's also a lesson there about trusting your place and knowing that you're not getting left behind all right number lesson number two is about well there's a lot of lessons in this one it was an e-course that I created um, with another amazing practitioner and what happened with this beautiful e-course I won't name it some of you might remember it this was years and years ago was that we didn't have a very clear delineation of tasks and we didn't have an exit strategy and the actual course was so amazing and it helped so many people and it was so like full and complete and beautiful and really really successful but what happened was I chose to not run it I, d- I didn't want to run it again within our partnership and what happened was um, we just, it kind of fell apart because it, and it didn't end the way I think either of us wanted it to end. And I think a big part of that was because we didn't have a clear exit strategy to start with. And what it taught me was to go into something big, if you're doing a, like in a collaboration, not just with excitement and your big vision and, you know, your beautiful plans, but to also have a plan on what to do and how to split up assets and value if things don't go to in quotes plan or if things change as they always do and it was I have like I have no regrets and it all there were so many lessons in that experience and it guided me so much and it was my first e-course and it was so important for me to run and so important for what it taught me and it meant that later when I did do another um, you know very very a structured partnership with beautiful Kate Carl and our balance podcast which you can find on you know probably wherever you're listening to this podcast we did it in a way that was just so beautiful for both of us we were so excited we had our big beautiful vision together we had our big beautiful plans we worked so beautifully together and we also had really really clear delineation of tasks and we knew, Kate, Kate, you're doing this. This is what you're in charge of. And and then Cass, you're doing this. This is what you're in charge of. And if we ever felt like we couldn't manage something or there was something that we needed to um, either like share or pass off or pause or like postpone or shift in some way, we, were, we had such a beautiful, clear line of communication open and there was no resentment and there was no stress and there was no like, Oh, uh, pressure like oh my god I, I feel like I have to do this but I don't want to or I can't whatever it was it was just it worked so beautifully and I honestly don't think that that would have worked as beautifully if I hadn't had the experience of something needing of, of the lessons that I learned also with so much love but the lessons that I learned in the very first e-course that I created and yeah that, so there's just something there about look you know feeling there's a lot of excitement when you start something new especially when you're doing a collab with someone you still really need that structure of what tasks are yours what are mine what happens when a task doesn't get done or doesn't you know there's something that comes up in life um how are we splitting the value of this how are we going to close this out if we decide not to keep doing this so that's in the kate and i discussed before we started pretty much we were like okay what do we do after season one like what will because we knew at the beginning that it was going to be a um a limited series because I was 
going on mat leave to have a baby. So yeah, being really clear and excited. You can be both at the same time. All right, lesson number three is about boundaries with your clients and in terms of sessions and timings and well, anything really boundaries in terms of like how you set up your business to support your energy. And I always say, you'll know that I say this. And if you don't know, now, you know, I always say it's your business and your choice. So years ago, when I was working as a naturopath, I I worked in this beautiful clinic and you booked your shift hours. So you either booked I think it was 7.30 to 1.30, it was 7.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. or 2 till 8 p.m. And when you booked 2 till 8, it was kind of expected that you worked from 2 till 8. Like whatever clients you had in that time, you worked from 2 till 8. But it was also completely up to you, you to the hours that you set. Because all the other practitioners and therapists worked right until 8, for the first like 8, I mean maybe up to a year probably, I worked until 8. And what would happen is I'd work until 8, and then I would, and this was before kids, I'd then, t- you know, finish my client notes, tidy up my clinic room, clean up my herbs, wash everything out, put everything away. And then I had to drive home like 20 minutes. I'd often only get home at like 8.40, 8.45. I hadn't had dinner yet. I hadn't like chatted to my husband. I hadn't unwound. And then I'd get into bed and I was like, and I was tired. And and it can, there's a nice feeling of when you're tired from a good day of work but this was a different kind of tie. This was like, oh my God, I haven't had a minute. Even though I had the, the morning, <laughs> I used to wake up, exercise, and then I used to work. I used to do like content creation stuff and or client research and stuff and pretty much until I had lunch and then got to work. So I wasn't really, I was still working. And so it would be a very, quite a long, quite a long day for me. And what I decided to do was I decided to not work until eight and a few of the other practitioners were like but why like you're paying to be here until eight why would you not work until eight the truth was I just didn't want to and I also tired of working on Saturdays I used to work some Saturday mornings so what I started to do I can't remember if I did this all at once or slowly or whatever but I clo- I decided to close my client books from 7 30 p.m on a Thursday so you could book a session at you know 6 30 or 7 depending on if you wanted 60 minutes or um, nine or, an, or half an hour. But I was no longer taking 7.30 p.m. sessions to close out at 8. And it was amazing. And yes, my brain was like, but clients need the 6.30 session. And, you know, I was always fully booked until 8. And I thought, you know what? If clients want to book the 6 p.m. session and they need to book it way in advance to, to get that late time, then they'll just have to book it way in advance. I have to look after myself in my business so that I can look after my clients. And so that's what I decided to do. And it was fine. Everyone managed, everyone, they just booked in advance. And if they had to leave work a little bit early, they left work a little bit early and and it was all totally fine. And the same thing happened when I stopped working Saturdays. I gave people notice. I think for a while I worked one Saturday a month maybe. And everyone was fine. The sky didn't fall. My business didn't burn to the ground. No one was mad. They just rescheduled things to make sure that they could get into the times that they wanted to get into. And it meant that I wasn't overbooking myself. I wasn't over like stretching myself. And if anything, I was showing up with more joy and more energy because I had more energy because I wasn't. I wasn't drained and I also wasn't scared of becoming drained or tired. So sometimes in our businesses, 
we do things and we feel drained and tired from them. And then sometimes we do things, but we're scared of feeling drained and tired because of past experiences or, um, yeah, I mean, it's usually past experience. So that was really important for me to step into this feeling and this, this, um, I guess a new level and a new truth of how I wanted to show up in my business. And even if other people in the practice were doing things differently and working until eight, even though I was paying and booking the room until eight, and that was just how you did it, I could choose when I wanted to work. My business, my choice, your business, your choice. And it's not arrogant to believe and trust that your clients will fit in around you. It's like, imagine if you were booking a flight with Qantas or Virgin or I don't know, Jetstar, like no shade, but they're probably going to change the time on you anyway. So let's pretend we're going with Qantas. <laughs> um, you book it, you, you go to book a flight with Qantas and they are leaving for the, where you want to go at 11 a.m. You don't call them up and say, um, I can't make 11. Could you do 10 o'clock, please? Like, no, you get there for whatever time you need to be to get on an 11 o'clock flight. And that's how it is. That's Qantas have chosen when they fly. And if you want to work with Qantas or use Qantas, you get to the airport to get on that 11 o'clock flight. It's the same in your business. You are worthy and you are valuable enough to, not even enough, like more than enough. Like you are, you are so worthy of choosing a time and choosing times and choosing boundaries and whatever, however it works for you that support you and your energy and your lifestyle. And I promise you, your clients love you and will find a way to make it work. Even if they have to book in advance or change other things around or like however they need to do it, they will make a way, they will create a way to be there at that time and to see you. And if they really absolutely cannot, that is okay. Another client is going to come in if you cannot, you know, sometimes you, sometimes it's okay to tweak things and move them around sometimes for a little bit if it works and feels good. And you also don't want to do it when you, if you start to feel resentful for it. So just checking in. And that was a really important lesson for me. Number four is not that uh what's the word well I'll just tell you not changing things too quickly when they're actually feeling like they're going really well and working really beautifully and we can have a really we can be really quick to react when things are working well sometimes we still change them and we're like how can I make this work better what about if you sat in something working well and flowing and I'll give you an example now so years ago, when I was shifting into doing more kinesiology work and doing more business coaching, I my business just absolutely exploded. And I was I used to only do one-on-one, sorry, single sessions. And my sessions were booked like six weeks in advance. I charged 135 an hour. I had people still working with me for naturopathy, but mostly it was kinesiology with like a hint of naturopathy. And mostly it was working with... Um, women like in career and business work and pretty quickly I was like I'm fully booked cool I'm going to raise my price and I raised it I jumped up to $200 and I look back and I have so much compassion and and love and forgiveness for the version of me who did this because it actually created a lot of mind drama for myself because what happened was I had it in my head that oh if you're fully booked you should raise your price if you have you know a wait list and like in air quotes, a lot or too many clients trying to get in at the same time, you know, one way to manage that is to raise your price. I'd kind of like no shade on all the, on the coaches who taught me this and train this 
or, or train in this way and I have said this before to clients but I look back and I'm like oh my gosh imagine and this is also a silly exercise but it's just uh it's just with hindsight I can look back and think oh my god I changed that really quickly what would have happened if I had just sat in that what would have happened and that pause was on purpose by the way if I'd sat in being fully booked weeks in advance advance if I hadn't changed anything if I hadn't changed my pricing if I hadn't well that's the only thing I changed what if I just sat there instead of feeling a potentially uncomfortable in the success and the fullness and then change something to move away from that fullness and I can only say that with experience of course and I'm not judging this experience I did for a while I gave myself a hard time for raising the price to $200 or at least for not fully backing myself when I did it because I was doing it to prove that I was that things were working in my business, if that makes sense. Like, I was like, oh, this is what I think I should do because I'm fully booked and because this is feeling so easy. Oh, let me immediately make it hard again. <laughs> let me immediately have another level to reach and let me immediately have more work to do to reach the, this next level. And again, there's nothing wrong with this. Like, it it's led me here. I love where I am in my business. Now, I everything that I went through, had purpose and taught me something because I, I found the lessons, I found the value in it. Now, what it's taught me is that when things are going beautifully, even if you are, you know, signing lots of clients in a program or at this or at a certain price, it doesn't mean you automatically have to increase the price or change something about your offer. What about if you sat in the discomfort or what if you sat in the ease? So much of our work in, in this in these in this in in this work is to create more ease and so many times my clients will say I want to feel more ease you know I'm I want to align with more ease I want to be more congruent with this being easy and not working so hard and then we actually get ease in our business we land there and we change something to move away from it so what about if you didn't change things too quickly when they're going well what about if you sat in the discomfort that might come up with when ease comes up? Okay, number five. It also like on the other side of that of the coin, same coin is not changing things too quickly when you think they're not going well as well. Sometimes things are, they really are working and your mind can tell you that they're not. And in, in telling yourself that they're not working, you look for evidence that they're not working and then we can create problems that don't need to necessarily, or that don't actually exist, but we're creating, we're creating the problem. And sometimes sitting in the belief that this is working, even if you haven't seen the external success yet that you want or the external results actually means that you are processing the discomfort that's coming up with where you're with where you are and it actually serves and supports your greater vision really beautifully it also means you're not jumping around changing a thousand things you're like wait I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna keep deepening and processing where I am okay number five is to not put coaches or anyone else on a pedestal so what happens when we coach and we work with people that we admire or even just see people on social media usually obviously Instagram we can think that there's something special about them that we don't have or they have they know something that we don't 
or we take what they say as gospel and we don't check in with ourselves. We think of them as gurus. We want to take all their advice because we love and admire them. And maybe we love and admire what they've created in their businesses or in their lives. And in the past, I've taken advice from people who I loved and admired, but it actually wasn't right for me. And they, and I didn't check in with myself first. I had them on a pedestal. I, you know, there are specific situations where I look back and I'm like, whoa, this person with love, like I can say this with love, totally guided me away from what my highest desire was. And I had them on such a pedestal that I listened to them thinking that they were right you know, that this like binary of them being right because they're my coach. So they must know more and be better than me. And there is just no one else who knows and loves your business like you do. And there is no one else who can make decisions for you because no one else is more accredited to do that in, in your business than you. And what happens when you put someone on a pedestal is that at some point you will probably need to pull them down and that can also create strife for yourself because then you're like oh my god I took everything that they said as gospel and now what does that mean about me or about the decisions I made when I believed every word that they said so I love coaching I love investing in coaching I love healing I love investing in healing I love all of it and I also always check in with myself If someone says something or guides me somewhere, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that advice, thank you, or take that wisdom or insight, whatever it dropped in, and I'm going to just like run it by myself first. I'm going to filter it through my own energetic filter and, you know, mind, body, business. Sorry, I never turn my emails off, do I? And I'm going to decide for myself how that feels, how that lands. Do I want to take it? Do I want to leave it? Do I want to process it? Have I been triggered? If I've been triggered, what can I do with this? If I don't want to take it, is that because there's resistance there or because, you know, maybe I really, really need this advice or this support that was given to me? And if I don't, how lovingly can I let it go without making it mean anything about myself or this coach or this healer that I love? So I just want you to, I want to offer that to you because it's so easy to put someone on a pedestal and we, we don't, it's a very uh, masculine patriarchal way of like, of looking at the way we are supported and the way we receive guidance from other people. I would love for you to see yourself in your own lane, on your own path. And the people who are supporting you are on their own path next to you, not above you. I teach this in, in, in a really deep way in the Aligned and Unstoppable Mastermind. We go deep into loving leadership and what it means for you to lead and be led as well with love and and having boundaries without, without hierarchy and showing up with love, leading with love and not leading through wounds. It's such an important piece of showing up in your business. And it's been a really important lesson that I've been, that I've learned and, and then been taught my, by my, you know, like gone over it again in, what's the word, processed it again, multiple times in my work. All right, number six. So this lesson is about being honest and showing up in your highest and fullest integrity. So a few years ago, I was asked to be the main writer on a really important, for a really important piece for quite a big a monthly national magazine and I was sent away to this like almost I was sent away with all these other journalists basically for several nights to basically 
be at this experience and then write about it from a specific lens that was, you know, from this this magazine or this publication. And I had, hadn't realized that I was meant to have my own spin on this story, like kind of meant to have a story. I just thought I was going there and I was going to write like an opinion piece on the experience. Anyway, I get I get to this experience and the head PR woman that comes up to me and she says, she's got like a clipboard and she says, okay, what's your angle? Like what's the story that you're coming with while we're on this experience together so I can be sure to give you everything you need so you can write your piece because it was essentially promoting this experience. And I looked at her and I was like, um, I have no idea. <laughs> I said, let me call the editor of this magazine. I have absolutely no idea. I'm going to call. And when I called, the editor was didn't talk to me, like wasn't available, but probably was sitting at their desk and just didn't want to talk to me. I got the feeling. Totally a story I'm making up, but also I just have that feeling. <clears throat> and um, I was just like left in the lurch. Like I was, there was, I was told that they'd get back to me and that it would, you know, everything would be okay. Just tell the PR woman that you don't know yet. It's coming to you. Anyway, I kept trying to get in touch. Then there was no reception at this experience and all the other journalists had their stories and they were starting to just write their piece and all of that. And I was just completely ignored, like fully ghosted. And yet I was on this experience that, you know, the PR people could have chosen any magazine in Australia to come and do this, do this work and, and write this uh, promotional piece for them. And I was it, I was here and I had no idea what I was writing. I had the best time anyway. It was so much fun. And when I got back, I tried to get in touch again with this magazine, with the editor. I was still ghosted. I was then I had to get in touch with the PR company and be like, basically, I have no idea what I'm meant to write. They're not getting in touch with me. Um, but the thing is, I'd never, I wasn't t- truthfully and totally honest at the start of that experience. I should have, I wish that I had said to the PR people, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I wasn't told. Like it was not, none of it was my fault, but because I was there, I felt like I was beholden to them. And that I owed them because I was taking up a place of someone else, another journalist that could have been there and could have been writing a beautiful piece for them. Anyway, long story short, this magazine had also told me that I'd be a monthly columnist for them and they just totally ghosted me. It was, I was so upset. And also I look back and I'm like, that's, it's just funny to me now that <laughs> I don't even know what happened, but it was such a beautiful experience actually that sometimes stuff happens and it actually has nothing to do with you. I looked at the magazine later and that column had never materialized. It had never happened. And it just shows on one hand, sometimes people are just not going to be honest and clear with you. And on the other hand, how can you continue to be honest and shop with your fullest integrity? Because again, months later, that beautiful PR woman got in touch with me and she was like, just checking, do you have your story? And that's actually when I was really honest. And I said, I'm so sorry. I really, really did not know that I had to come to the experience with an angle I was pretty much ghosted. They still haven't gotten in touch with me. I have no idea what my story was meant to be. Um, I'm happy to write something for you, but it would be from my personal experience and not as you wanted it to be from this big publication. Anyway, it all ended beautifully. And I mean, I never still heard back from that editor, but I maintained a beautiful relationship with the PR woman. And it was just a really fun experience with lifelong friends and memories And it was a beautiful reminder, as I said, that, you know, staying in your integrity and being honest is actually the most important thing 
in an experience, even if there is someone else who hasn't been honest with you. And it just made me feel by the end of it, I was like, I did the right thing. Even if at the very beginning I didn't because I was a little bit nervous of, I didn't know how it was going to kind of play out yet. I thought maybe I'll get my angle and I'll quickly write the piece and they won't know that I came on this three-day experience without having an angle. But by the end of it, I was like, I'm so sorry. Here are the cards. I'm laying it all on the table. And it felt really lovely for me and really in my integrity. So that is point number six, doing things in integrity from a space of honesty and truthfulness. Number seven is so simple. It's like, and and I've written here, you don't need another certificate. (laughs) So back in 2013, so nine years ago, I decided to start studying my master's of human nutrition in, um, from Deakin University. And I was like, oh, it's really important to have, you know, a postgrad study, you know, diploma or master's. Like this will be awesome. This will really help me. My clients will really appreciate this work that I'm doing. And I got my first module, first subject. And the second one, there were two core subjects that I started with. They were so similar, like so, so, so similar to the nutritional medicine and naturopathic studies, the core subjects that I'd done there about human nutrition, that I was literally redoing work, but with no joy. I, I was not doing it from joy. It was not a sole, a sole, you know, purpose ex- uh, experience for me. It was something that my mind had told me I needed to be more valuable and to be more important and to prove to my clients that I was could be helpful and that I knew what I was doing and I could support them. And very quickly, I realized that I was studying my master's to prove a point and not because it was going to bring me joy and really deepen the work that I was doing. It was not a sole goal. It was like a mind proving goal. And so I actually took early exit. It's the best thing I've ever done. I took early exit. I finished four subjects and I got my graduate certificate in human nutrition it was not joyful to do. Um, I've never used what I've learned. I do not have my certificate framed. Like it, I, it just wasn't what I, it wasn't, if I'd never done it, like doing it still has brought me here. Every decision you ever make brings you to where you are, obviously. And also it's a beautiful lesson because I was doing it to prove a point or to heal a part of myself and not because it was bringing me joy. Now, when you compare that with me studying my kinesiology studies, oh my God, that was a soul goal that I had to do. And there was so much joy and it created, you know, problems that I wanted to solve, like stuff that I had to move through that I wanted to move through because I was loving what I was studying. And a hundred percent, I needed that for the evolution of my soul. And there's just such a difference. Sometimes we do another certificate or we do another course and it brings us joy and we might not need it in air quotes, but we want to do it and it's fun and we're not doing it to prove or heal ourselves. And sometimes we're doing another certificate or another course because we think we need it to be worthy. We think we need it before we can help people or heal people or support our clients. And the only one who can know the difference is you. So this takes me back to this the point before of number five of like, no one else knows your business like you. No one else will know if you actually have to do another certificate or another course except you. And it's really fine to do when it feels like a soul goal and it feels like something to do for the evolution of your soul versus something you think you need to do to be 
and then insert what to be more worthy to be more lovable to be more successful to be more whatever it is tune into that because there's something really beautiful about owning the enoughness of what you know and knowing that that is enough to support your clients and that you are also always growing and learning more okay number eight is to love yourself when you think you have failed the truth is you probably still done something so amazing you took a risk or you you jumped and maybe the net didn't appear in the way you wanted it to it's all important there are all lessons there and it's all guiding you deeper into your wisdom and deeper onto your path and even if you're like no Cass it really wasn't an f up like it really messed up it didn't happen for a reason I would love for you to allow yourself to feel the shitness of that just be like okay this doesn't feel good this didn't go the way I wanted it to and sit in it and process it however you need to for however long you need to lick your wounds for as long as you need to and then find the value in the experience create value from what happened from what you went through and allow yourself to see how maybe it wasn't the the failure in the way you thought it was maybe it was really fueling your next step and fueling something that it was is and was and is let's go with is deeply important for you okay number nine the next three are a bit shorter but like as deep and, and important number nine is there are always more clients every single time I've worried about where my next client is coming from there have been more clients every single time I've been like oh I have a launch coming up and my brain would be like ah what if more people don't come sign up buy a ticket purchase their seat whatever it is more clients are there it's not always it hasn't always been in the numbers that my brain has wanted and there have still always been more clients the same way with money every time you shop to create more money in your business through your beautiful work more money can flow in and when you believe that every single time you show up and or every single time you yeah, let's go sharp that there is a client there talking themselves into working with you. You will create proof that there are clients that are always coming and that there are always more clients. So whatever you're doing, remember this, there are always more clients. There are always more clients. Okay, number 10 is trusting to really have deep trust in the evolution of your work and your body of work. And that might be that your ideas are evolving or that the way you teach or share a concept or a method or a tool or a practice is evolving or that you are completely pivoting in what you do or that you are completely expanding what you do or that you completely changed what you did uh, or it could be that you are deepening something. So as an example, years ago, I ran my very first Love What You Create workshop back in Bondi in 2016. I had 15 beautiful women. It was more about like a creative workshop about helping you love what you create in terms of your creativity. Then I morphed it and expanded it into an, a full day business building in-person event, a workshop that I ran around Australia in four cities. So much fun. And then I took that and I turned it into a beautiful online course that over a hundred people moved through and it's been like it was just the most beautiful evolution that I was so I so slowly and lovingly just allowed this workshop to become whatever it had to be without pressure without force and 
the work evolved so much. And if I look back now from when I recorded it back in 2017, so much of it is timeless. Can you hear the kookaburra? Um, so much of it is time that's so funny it's not even the morning I thought they were morning birds you learn something new every day so what was I saying oh if I was to go back and listen to the workshop that I recorded in 2017 so much of it is timeless and there's also sometimes where I'm like oh I would say that differently now I think about that differently now I see that differently now and how can you honor the evolution of your work how can you love what you're creating <laughs> and how oh and then here how funny this only just landed and now the 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 this podcast is the love what you create podcast duh. and this is another evolution of the work and how it first came through so loving your body of work loving your the evolution of your work and trusting in the process and trusting that you're going to think differently in the future to how you think now and also honoring the enoughness of what you are teaching and saying and sharing and believing now. This is true for you now and there'll be a different truth that is true for you in the future and there was a different truth that is true for you in the past. All of this is true. (laughs) How can you honor and love all of it? And number 11, so the 11th and like final for this podcast, but not final for my 11 years in business, obviously. There are infinite lessons learned. But number 11 my favorite, my favorite thought or belief as a concept. I did turn my email off, by the way, that's coming from my phone, which is usually always on silent. Who am I that my phone's on on silent? Okay. Number 11 is to look at how this is working. What you're doing is working. Don't have the result you want yet. Okay. How can you still trust? Not in a gaslighty way, but how can you still trust that what you're doing is creating roots, supporting you, deepening, creating a a deeper, more supportive, more loving, expansive base and foundation. How can you look at how this is working as a concept to support you so deeply to keep going, to not judge, to not label yourself as a failure, to not sit in stories of self-pity or, you know, victimy stories that aren't supporting you and how to keep looking for evidence of what is working so that that is what you create more of. It's my favorite thing. How, how can I see or how is it possible or how is it true that this is working? I would love for you to, if you want, do some journaling around that. Maybe you just write whatever it is that's going on in your business that feels like it's not working. How can you answer the question or how would you answer the question? How is it possible that this is working or how is it true that this is working? And I promise you, you will find evidence Like there'll be something there. There will 100% be something there that lands for you, that drops in, whether it's this moment that you start writing or it comes through later where you'll be able to say to yourself, oh my God, okay, I can see, I can see how this is working. So those are my, that was this, well, what am I saying? This concludes this podcast episode of, of 11 lessons learned through 11 years in business. And I hope something there has landed or dropped in, perhaps shifted something for you. I'd love to know. You can come over and find me on Instagram at Cassie Mendoza Jones. And if you would love more of, you know, all the things I talk about on my podcast and, you know, on social, I would love for you to, I have got two invitations for you here. Join my Building Your Business Through Belief workshop. It is $10. 
And I guide you through a really beautiful process to help you come into congruence with what you want to be building and calling into your business. We do, it's, it's blending belief work with energy work. It's beautiful. And the, everyone who's done it, like the feedback I've gotten is that huge shifts were created so much so much forgiveness and compassion for the self, for where you are and for what you're wanting to create was was created and, and, and embodied. And the link to that is in the show notes. And I would also love to invite you to jump on the waitlist for the Aligned and Unstoppable Mastermind. It opens later this month in late July of 2022. Applications rather open later this month. We work together for six magical months every week in weekly coaching to help you create the business that you daydream about. So jump on the waitlist via the link in the show notes to be first here on applications open. You'll also receive behind the scenes info and mastermind coaching over the next few weeks until applications open. If you have any questions about anything, I am over on Instagram, Cassie Mendoza Jones, or you can shoot me an email, Cassie at CassieMendozaJones.com. All right. I hope that this has been helpful. I will be back on your podcast feed very soon. Lots of love. Bye. If you enjoyed that episode, you'll like other things I've made for you. Come over to my website to grab some freebies, check out my books and learn more about how we can work together in my courses and coaching programs. You'll also find me over on Instagram at Cassie Mendoza Jones. I'll pop the links in the show notes. I hope to catch you on the next episode.